Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Last week, all of us watched as the Ontario government imposed a contract on support workers in our schools. These workers belong to the Canadian Union of Public Employees, or QP. When it announced the deal, Premier Doug Ford said he wanted to keep kids in the classroom. The provincial government also used the notwithstanding clause to prevent any appeals of its legislation. Then, last Friday, those workers held a protest. They were joined by other unions. Schools were closed. Parents and academics and the public in general expressed their outrage. By Monday, Ford said he would repeal the legislation if CUPE returned to the table to negotiate a deal. As of this writing, both sides were still at the table. On today's show, you're going to hear how all of these events impacted one school worker, Lynn Lewis. She has worked in schools in Northumberland for years. You will also hear how the local Labour Council got involved I'm so pleased to have with me today Lynn Lewis, the Client Services Software Support Person for Elementary Schools at the Kawartha Pine Ridge District Public School Board and a member of QP. Uh, I also have with me today Dan Tobin, President of the Northumberland Labour Council. Welcome to you both. And thank you, Rob. Thank you. Lynn, I want to start with you. I want to know, first of all, could you describe for the listeners what it is you do as a client services software support person for the elementary schools? What I do is I support any software that the principals, vice principals, uh, clerical staff at the schools, whatever software they are using, and if they have difficulty or need to learn a process that's what I do. I teach them the application. I also, while doing that, uh, provide ministry mandates um, and board best practices. Now, how long have you done this for? 20 years. And how long have you been at the school board? What did you do before that? Before um, this role, I was, um, if I go right to the very beginning, I started with the board in 89 uh, as a school secretary at Port Hope High School. I was promoted three times within that 10 years at the school and as a single mom at the time, the, we didn't get a raise. Uh, we were under a job freeze uh, back in the Ray days. Um, and as a single mom, I just couldn't couldn't do my full-time job and two part-time jobs and be a mom. There just was not enough hours in the day. 
So unfortunately I had to resign. I found other work. And then I ended up going back to school, which gave me the credentials that uh, helped me obtain the position I have now. What would be a typical day for you? In my position now or as a yes, as, secretary? As, as in your position now or in the past? Um, well, as a school secretary, we are the center of the school. We're the first contact for the community, uh, any of our stakeholders. Um, so even if we're having a bad day, we still have to have that smile, right? Because you're, you're working with other people and they don't know what's going on in your world. Um, you do what you're supposed to do. Um, secretaries at the elementary panel, uh, the ministry has a, a program that they mandate. It's called Safe Arrival. And we need to make sure that if the children are supposed to be at school, that in fact they are. And this um, Safe Arrival program what we use as a tool to track the attendance of the students is our student information system. And um, can you imagine if a six-year-old was put on a bus to come to school and the teacher marked that student absent? Can you imagine that conversation that the secretary has to have with that mom not knowing that the child isn't supposed to be at school. It happens a lot. Um, however, the child's not missing. They just were either late getting to class or sitting in the wrong chair, but it, it's our responsibility once they get on that bus until they get off that bus at the end of the day, those students are our responsibility as far as their safety is concerned and their learning is concerned. Um, while you're an elementary secretary, you have not only that process that has to be done in a timely manner every morning and every day after the lunch break. And um, in between doing that, you are answering the door and um, greeting the community and answering questions and directing, excuse me, directing staff. You have ministry reports that you need to do. You are the one calling home when a child is sick uh, for mom or dad to pick up the child. It's like a revolving door now in the school offices. Usually there's only one secretary and that's unfortunate because sometimes you need more than one person in the office, just not even to get your stuff done. It's just so, it's like a busy day when you are, um, are in a retail store Christmas shopping. There's not enough hands to help the customers. And in, in the elementary school, sometimes there's not enough hands to answer the phone to help a child who needs a Band-Aid or um the principal who's waiting on a report. It, it's a very, very busy environment. It's nothing like a corporate environment at all. You've definitely described some of the challenges of the job, but what is the best part of the job? What is the best part? It is watching them grow. I remember when I was at the high school, um, because 
my last position there was in uh, student services, the guidance department, and the, the the students would come in there and change their courses or or chat or whatever. And you get to know them personally and you watch them grow from young teenagers into adults. And when they graduate, I don't think there was a year when at graduation that I didn't have tears in my eyes, just saying goodbye. It was just like an extended family. Like that was the, that's the beauty of working in a school. Um, you're not in a business professional atmosphere even though you are being professional, you still get that opportunity to create those bonds. Um, just today, I was surprised. I met a student that was at the high school when I was there on our picket line. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's such a small world. And it is, it is a very, very rewarding job. I cannot imagine working in another sector just can't what went through your mind when you first learned that there was the potential for a strike when you started getting inklings that maybe there was going to be a job action what what process went through your head fear um fear was the first thing fear of the unknown uh i've never gone through this type of job action before was not sure what to expect. I knew I could trust my um, leaders in my union. They've always guided me correctly. They've been there for me on a couple of occasions. Um, and it's not easy for me to trust. Um, but I listened, uh, weighed everything out. But the thing is, <laughs> When someone takes away your rights, that's wrong. Um, like, like those are basic rights that we've grown up on. And as adults, if if we don't stand up for ourselves, what are we teaching our children? Better yet, what are we teaching the students when when they see that we're getting walked on, we're getting bullied? In schools, we teach zero tolerance for bullying. And you know, maybe not the little six-year-olds, but the grade eight students, the high school students, they know zero tolerance for bullying. And we're, we're saying, don't let people away with it. Come, you've got help, you've got support. And um, that's what I felt when Doug Ford laid down the hammer. I thought, can't you just sit at the table and negotiate? Yeah, you're gonna argue, so what? Everybody argues some of the best marriages the couples argue but you find a way to meet in the middle and i was very disappointed that that didn't happen and he felt it necessary to take away our fundamental rights wasn't allowing us to speak what personal factors did you consider when deciding whether or not to vote for a strike action what went on? Well, Rob, as you know, I, I explained, I've been with the board for 30 years. We've never struck. Um, we've come close many times. And I think I said it um, in an interview on Friday that, you know, if the government, and I'm not blaming just Doug's 
Ford's government because we've had um, different leaders over the years. If they had come to the table and given us just a little bit more to make it a living wage 10 or more years ago, then we wouldn't be where we are right now. We would be closer to the cost of living and, and earning a living wage where everyone is affected by the high costs right now with gas, gasoline and groceries. But, you know, we, we've had pay cuts, we have had pay freezes, and we're not the teachers. Um, a lot of people think that because we work in the school board, we get a huge salary. We don't. Um, we are the lowest paid in the educational sector. And it, we just wanted something so that it was noticeable on the paycheck. Would you be willing to tell us how you voted uh, for the strike or not? I voted to strike. Why did you why did you feel so strongly about it? I mean, you've talked about some of the reasons and the rationales, but when you went in and marked that ballot, why why did it feel what did it feel like, I guess, to go in there and, and feel that, you know, you're gonna take this chance because as you were talking about earlier, there's risk involved and there's yes. there's a lot of factors. So what did it, that feel like? It was really it was it was scary. Um, I have to admit, once going before I could make that decision, my head was at war. One side said, take the risk. And the other said, no, you can't afford to be out for any length of time. And I've always wavered. And I just kept thinking, it's not going to come to it. It's not going to come to it if they know that the majority of us um, are willing to go on strike, that might be enough for them to come to an agreement so that we wouldn't have to get into the position that we are. Very hopeful, actually. Now, for those who have never walked a picket line, can you describe what it's like? Oh, I had never walked one either. Um, I was really nervous. I, I'm, I'm a captain. And I had specific duties that I had to make sure were done throughout the picket line routine. Uh, they weren't difficult. It was just being um, a respectable citizen, respecting people's properties. But, you know, I had had no idea what to expect. And at the end of the day on Friday, after we were done packing up, I just let out a woohoo because it it was such a rush, the adrenaline, the energy, and it was all positive. There was nothing negative. Like the, some of the signs, yeah, they bashed uh, some of our government members, but they weren't super derogatory. So everybody was feeling good and, and comfortable with the decision that they made. And this is who we are. You're not gonna take away our freedoms. This is our chance to stand up, hear our voice, and fight. Did uh, MPP David Pacini come out and talk to you at any point? Not to me. Uh, I didn't see him. I don't know what the man looks like. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I was, had an urge to knock on his door, but I 
didn't think it was appropriate. So I thought, mm, I better not overstep my bounds. Dan, I'd, I'd like to bring you into the conversation now. And there were some big events that took place on Monday. Bill 28, the Keeping Students in Class Act was passed last week. But Monday, Premier Doug Ford said he would repeal the bill if CUPE were to return to the bargaining table and call off the strike. Dan, when you were listening to the press conference, what was your reaction to that? In first, I was, I was, I was apprehensive as well as confused. It was, I was apprehensive because, because, but how can we believe what he's saying when he has lied to the education workers all these months? And I was confused. It was because, because, but he said, he said, but he was going to repeal it. And then by the end of the press conference, he was making you think he wasn't going to repeal it. So, I mean, but he had, but everybody confused. And I think that was one of the reasons why, why the QB wanted, wanted it, it in writing. But he, he didn't believe what was, what was being said. As well as they were, they were confused about what was, what, what was being said. Lynn, when you heard the news about what was unfolding, um, what was your reaction to that? I want confirmation from my keepy president, and I also asked the same thing: Is it in writing? Because I'm hearing that I'm going back to work tomorrow, but. Unfortunately, I'm not trusting Mr. Ford right now, just because of the confusion that's been going on. And I'm one of those people who, yeah, I want something in writing. Uh, so I hope that uh, Laura Walton did get that. I don't as know. For, as far as I understand, but Laura did get it in, in writing. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I was I was apprehensive about as well is that, but in the beginning, there was conditions. And yeah. that, I mean, their QP pulls back, back to strike position, we will repeal. But what does that mean? I mean, we were confused about, I mean, okay, I mean, well, first of all, it's not a strike. No. Doug Ford can call it a strike all he wants, wants, but it wasn't a strike. It's a protest against the legislature. Yeah. And that, and that the condition was, was that, was that QP had to blink first. And for a union member, I'm sure Lynn, but you will but agree that uh, but a, a union should not blink first. No, no. And like my thought there is he put it on the table. He passed it in good faith. He should be repealing it, removing it, however you want to say it to show good faith that, okay, yeah, I am ready to sit down at the table and let's talk. Yeah. And one of the things that was even a reporter asked him during his press conference are you willing to 
to but recall the legislature and get this passed. And Doug, Doug Ford said, basically said no. He wasn't going to recall the legislature. Dan, how did you react to the Ontario government's legislation when it was passed last week? What went through your mind when you heard that he had framed it in the way he had and, and its impact on the labor movement? I was appalled at, in, like I said, I was appalled at, at the actions that he took. And, and I knew right away it, it was going to be a dogfight. Once he, once he, he drew that line, line in the sand, and he, and he dared the, the union or to go on, or call his bluff and go on strike, or, or we, he called it a protest. As I'm, as I knew it was going to be a long fight. But that hasn't really materialized. And I, no. I guess what I, I, I also want people to understand, maybe people who are not familiar with labor and negotiations and the labor movement, why were so many unions reacting so strongly to, to this? It, it, it's an Ontario bill. It's uh, negotiations with CUPE. Why all of a sudden did larger organizations like the Northumberland Labor Council and, and obviously much larger unions uh, react so vehemently? I mean, the way that, the way that unions see it, as well as the Labor Council, Council, I mean, one attack, an attack on, on, on one union means that you're attacking all of them. And we, we at the Labor Council, we knew the nurses were hit, hit with Bill 124 last year or a couple of years ago. And then all of a sudden, here's the education workers being attacked. And we feel, okay, there's, there's a teacher. I mean, there are nurses and education workers. And next will probably be the teachers are next because their contracts are also up. They're in bargaining as well, as well, but as we speak. And then, and then if I'm, I'm correct, nurses are back at it next year. So all these unions are, are lining up and, and there's these negotiations going forward, but there was something particular about this bill, this bill 28, that sort of got to the craw and, and called in even like the, the National Canadian right. Labor <laughs> Co uh, Council. Yep. And, and I believe it was the notwithstanding clause, the use of the notwithstanding clause. Can you explain why that got everybody so upset? Is that he... He used the he used the notwithstanding clause to impose a contract on a union without having the union to, but agree to it or even but have a chance to bargain for it. And we feel that that is a but it's a short step from there to that say say opsu 
or the steel workers at their workplaces getting something like that. But but wasn't it also that the legislation by using the notwithstanding clause, it removed the ability for legal action against the government by the unions. And also um, it, it was taking away part of the charter of, of, of rights and freedoms. I, am I misunderstanding that or do I no, understand that correctly? Well, you are fully, fully correct. It, it states in the charter rights and freedoms that we have a, a right to bargain and collective, collective, but uh, collectively bargain a fair and legal contracts with our Britain employers. And the, and the government was always taking that away from us. So that larger existential threat was was a big piece of why all these other unions started coming together, your labor council coming together. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess, Lynn, when you, you hear this going on, you talked, you alluded to this a bit earlier on when you were talking about how you've been treated. But how do you respond when you saw that this aspect of it had a much broader impact than just QP workers or even you? I felt that I didn't feel that Target was just on my back. Um, it gave me hope that, okay, he's really bitten off a big piece of cake. And uh, because it affects our freedom to negotiate and bargain fairly, um, it's not just the education workers that it attacks because Yes, it's been brought out because we're the ones that were doing the job action, but that same bill affects all of Ontario. And my understanding, like I, I have not been in the news at all today, my understanding is it's also Canada. Yep. Um, and for him to take that away like it takes our voice away it like whatever happened i felt like where's the democracy like i feel like i am not given a choice anymore like i felt like he was when i said earlier the putting the hammer down i felt like i was being dictated to i felt like he was saying my way or the highway and that's not what I wanted to hear. I want to stay working. Um, I love what I do. Uh, many of my coworkers know I love what I do. And um, so it's not like work for me, but um, I thought, how does one individual have that much power over so many people? Lynn, I also wanna ask you too, when the government was making its case for taking these steps and and, you know, going to such an extreme, they would talk about, you know, the kids are more important, you know, we got to keep the kids in school, you know, the pandemic took place, and they've lost so much. How did you feel when you heard those arguments being made? Well, they shouldn't have lost anything the way our department was scrambling getting uh, devices to them. But I get it, not every home is the same. Um, yes, it's unfortunate about COVID-19. We didn't have any control over that. And um, yes, we want to keep our students in school. That's what we're there for. 
they're our future. We want them to be as skilled as they possibly can be. Well, I was a little bit angry because specifically speaking, um, and I forget how it works provincially now. Uh, I'm still old school, I guess. Um, I know we went to um, the government to start our bargaining long before our contract ended. In fact, as far as I can remember, every time there's a contract comes to an end, our union or OSBCU, whoever does the bargaining, go to the table early so that we can avoid the students being out of school to get that done before the contract ends at August 31st. Um, my understanding is quite often we try to get time slotted with the ministry folks and they just weren't available. Uh, all of a sudden they're available after school starts and they really don't crack down until they know that um, there might be a possibility of a strike, which is why we voted. Maybe that would get them moving. It did. But from what I heard in the media last week, he spent an awful lot of time pushing through a bill when they could have been in the conference room negotiating whether or not they were agreeing. It's not the fact that they're, they shouldn't be trying to agree. They should be trying to compromise. Dan, I'd like to follow up with you, though. Many people feel strikes are disruptive and unions create situations, in this case, you know, jeopardizing children and their education to leverage a situation so that the union gets what it wants. How do you respond to that? Well, but uh, I mean, unions can be painted in a bad way at times I mean, because, because what the public sometimes sees sees is that union is all about money and but it's not all about money it's about the, the respect of the workers for one yes in their cupies cupies protest yes it is it is somewhat about, about the wages but they, they they want respect of their their employer and they And there's there's conditions, working conditions that they they got to deal with. That is also non-monetary. That the public doesn't get to see that or hear about that. Well, let me ask you this then, Dan. I mean, there is an economic impact to this. We're right now uh, talking about recession. There's been incredible inflation this year. Um, if the union gets the 11.7% increase, there are economists who will tell you this is going to contribute more to inflation. They talk about this. So why is that not taken into consideration? Well, I mean, let me but ask you this. This when the, the, when the government, government sent out checks for $200 per child to their household household without telling the parents what to spend it on 
on, but that money could have been better spent given QP at least part of what they, they were negotiating for. But that $200 that they, they gave to either parents per child but to my mind, a bribe on trying to buy the parents into supporting a government's actions. Lynn, let me ask you this. What do you expect to happen over the upcoming days from your perspective? I, my ex expectation uh, of OSBCU and the bargaining committee for the um, Ontario government is they actually sit down and really hash out like adults um, and saying, okay, what, what is it you need? And then looking at the other hand and saying, okay, how can we help them get there? When we're in school, if a student has a problem or our first thought is, how do we help that student succeed? So both sides should be looking at how do we make this a successful negotiation? We know that the workers may possibly go back out if the offer is too low. We just want it brought up to a living wage because we have given in to a half percent here and a 1% there. And um, it's been too long that we've been left behind. Um, so that's what I'm really hoping. I hope that they don't behave like they do in the House of Commons and yell at each other. I really hope that they can be adults without tempers and be very objective and considerate of others and come up with a deal that everyone can be happy with. It would be really nice to hear that kind of news in a couple of days, but I'm be, I think I might be over optimistic. I in fact thought that we would be out doing our protest until Friday. I did not expect to hear this turnaround from Mr. Ford today. Okay. Dan, um, when you stand back, not talking about QP, but uh, the government's actions against the labor movement in the past couple of days, what message are you taking away as a, a labor organization from the events? Well, what, what we are taking away from this is that you is that unions are like a family. And like Lynn said, families do bicker at times, but when we, and we need each other, we're always there for each other. And when you, when you, and you pick a fight with one union, you pick a fight with them all. Because all of them will have your back. Yes. And that's what, that is what I don't think Doug Ford really 
really understood. I think he he but under but under but estimated the amount of support a QB would have. And to get back back to your question, I mean, what I I got out of this is that the unions stood firm. The, the, the labor movement stood firm, a line in the sand was drawn, and we didn't have to, to, to compromise on what we, on the end, on the end of result. Lynn Lewis, Dan yeah. Tobin, thank you so much for talking to me today. You're very welcome. Thanks, Rob. That was Lynn Lewis, Client Services Software Support Person for Elementary Schools at the Kawartha Pine Ridge District School Board, and Dan Tobin, President of the Northumberland Labor Council. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.